Good morning again. As I mentioned before, I'm Steve, and I'm glad you're listening with us this morning. I was saved by the grace of God at the age of 16. I was dead, and now I'm alive in Jesus Christ. Since Christ is my life, I can freely give it away, knowing his glory awaits me. I try to walk in the grace of Jesus, rest in my Father's love, follow the Holy Spirit's leading, and proclaim the good news of redemption. That's my life creed. That is my belief statement. But today we want to look at more than just my belief statement. We want to look at what God's Word says about belief. And what we did is we kind of narrowed it down. We're going to talk about through this year when I have a chance to speak. We're going to go through the Apostles' Creed and what that means and what it entails. And now you may be wondering why we want to do this. Well, because what we believe matters and it makes a difference. You see, when I believe that there is a reward for something, I tend to pursue it because I want the reward. Um, my kids believed me well, that I, when I told them that I would give them $5 a piece if they would memorize the Apostles' Creed six years ago. Do you know what? Every single one of my kids earned five bucks because they wanted to learn the Apostles' Creed. Now, I had an ulterior motive of helping them have a foundation of their faith and what they believe, but the five bucks was an incentive. It was an encouragement to them. They believed that their dad would pay, and therefore their behavior followed. Have you ever done that, where your behavior followed what you believed? Now, how many of you, when you see somebody flash your, their headlights at you when you're cruising one way and they're coming the other way, and they flash their headlights, what do most of us automatically do? Well, at least for me, <laughs> I slow down. Because nine times out of ten, that person is telling me that there's a police officer there. And I want to avoid getting a ticket. You see, my belief affects my behavior. Now, we want to look at the Apostles' Creed and see how it affects our behavior. What the early church said, this is what you need to believe. And we're not going to be able to dive into super, super depth on every one of these aspects. But we do want to hit most of them at a relatively good level so that we can see how it affects our lives or should affect our lives, what we believe. And the creed goes, and I encourage you as parents, um, give your kids some incentive to memorize this. It tells us in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That is a creed. That is a belief statement. Because what we believe affects how we live. (coughs) Excuse me. What we say we believe and what we really believe is determined by how we live. So why the Apostles' Creed? I mentioned this before. The Apostles' Creed um, was given by the early church, and it was given as a statement for, hey, this is what you need to believe in order to be baptized. Because before the early church came about, the New Testament was not compiled until around mid-300s. Only a few people in churches had a copy of the Bible until after the invention of the printing press in 1439. And it answers the question of what Christians believe. The Apostle Creed was quoted by baptismal candidates to indicate their belief. And they also quoted the Ten Commandments in the Lord's Prayer. Because the Creed was right belief, the Ten Commandments was right behavior, and the Lord's Prayer was right relationships. And so we want to look into that. And a creed is nothing more than a belief statement. And does what I believe matter? We talked about this last time. Yes, and without faith, the writer of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Must believe that he exists. And the statement we want to look at is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. The creator of heaven and earth. Now, why is it so important to believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth? Well, we need to believe in God, not just an idea of God, but the personal God of the Bible, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And earth. In the beginning, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 1, you can't get any more in the beginning than the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The whole premise of Scripture, the whole premise of the Bible, is that there is a God, an active God, a personal God who is involved in every aspect of our universe. All of creation. Genesis 1-1 goes into details of how he made light and darkness, how he parted the waters and made the waters not to go so far, how he made the land, how he made the plants, how he made all the animals, and how he created male and female. God was very particular in telling us that he did it all. And he created all the stars and all the heavens that we look at and that we can see. And he did this for a reason and for a purpose is because he hadn't wanted to have a relationship with mankind. Now, he didn't need mankind. He didn't need all of creation. But it was a desire in God's heart. Now, there are some who would say, well, how do we know that there is even a creator of all those things around us? And that is a fantastic question. And it is one that we don't have time to really dig deep into this morning. But I would encourage you to go and look and read um, Lee Strobel's book, 
the evidence of the case for a creator is a great place to start. And through that book, he talks about the different ways in which we can see that there is a creator. But one of the ways is just the simple explanation of cause and effect. If something is here, something had to cause it. If there is an earth, if there is a universe, if there is a you and there is a me, how do we get here if there wasn't something to cause it? And the causer of the cause, we would believe as Christians, is God. There's evidence in physics. One of the most striking discoveries of modern uh, science has been the laws and constants of physics unexpectedly conspire in an extraordinary way to make the universe habitable for life. For instance, said psycho. <laughs> yes, you tried to say that. Physicist philosopher Robin Collins, gravity is fine-tuned to one part in a 100 million, billion, 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 billion. So gravity had to be set <laughs> in a very specific way for all this cosmic universe to even work, and especially for life on Earth to work. There's the evidence of biochemistry. There's the evidence of astronomy. Um, John O'Keefe of NASA said this. He said, if the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never have come into existence. It is my view that these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. <laughs> that, that is an amazing thing to think about that this God, the Father Almighty, who loves us and cares for us, he made this universe specifically for us to live in. In Genesis, it explicitly states that all the stars of heaven and the moon were, were, and the sun were made for seasons and times and for us to observe them, to see them, and they were made for us. As our increase in knowledge in science expands and it just blows my mind when i read about how big the universe is and how big it may still be getting god says i set all this and i set the earth in such a place for mankind to not only see what is going on but to explore what is going on in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth Mind-boggling. Also, God said, then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. This is what we call the Imago Dei. It comes from the Latin version of the Bible, and it's translated in English Bible, image of God. It's defined as the metaphysical expression associated uniquely to humans, which signifies the symbolical connection between God and humanity. God had made all the universe, and then he specifically stops to make man. In Genesis chapter 2, it tells us that he breathes into man the breath of life. God himself breathed into mankind life. His life his likeness. So many people struggle with who they are 
And God says, you're my image. Now, we're not a perfect reflection of who God is, but we are a reflection of who God is. We carry that as humans, whether we're fallen humans or we're believers in Jesus Christ. Well, we're all fallen, but those of us who trust in Christ, there is that difference that happens in all of mankind that separates us from the animals. We have this desire to know something that is beyond us. And that makes absolutely no sense unless there is something beyond us to know. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God gave man not only his image, but then he gave him responsibility. Just as God is the sovereign ruler of all the universe and has dominion over everything, as we will see according to Scripture, he gives man that same type of responsibility. And so God created man in his image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female, he created them. God, in order to represent himself well, made humans male and female. You see, you just can't have all males and you just can't have all females to represent who God is. God, in his infinite wisdom, said, hey, for mankind to really understand who I am, (laughs) there's going to be male and going to be female. He made a distinction that he purposely did in order to give a full expression of his image. And through this, too, that he is a creator of heaven and earth, we see that he distinctively made marriage. And he made marriage between a man and a woman. In the creation, when God retells the creation story in Genesis chapter 2, he's very careful Is after he has Adam name all the animals, And Adam, there is no one suited for him. God causes Adam to fall asleep. He takes a rib out and he makes woman, brings the woman to the man. The man is blown away by the woman. And he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. He says a man and a woman. (laughs) A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. According to the creation of God, there is male and there is female. And marriage is made up of male and female. That is how creation was set up and designed. And Jesus Christ himself affirmed this in Matthew 19. When he was talking about marriage, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
So God, in his infinite wisdom of creation, said there's going to be male and there's going to be female. And when they marry, the two shall become one flesh and they shall become this representation of who I am. And we see this as a great mystery revealed in the New Testament, that it is a perfect image of Christ in his church. But God says this is the way it is to be. This is the order of creation. Now, we live in a fallen creation, and we won't get to talk to that this time. But because of the fallen creation, things don't work out the way they always should. But it's great to know that God always had a plan and always had a design. He didn't just set man here without a way to work through things, to do things, to set things in order. God did not leave us to chaos but he left us to perfect design. And then we also, because we are made in God's image, we know some things, other things to be true. The one is, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. God states here, and then he'll say it again in Exodus with Moses in the commandments, and in Deuteronomy, again, and over and over through Scripture, that killing someone else is wrong. And the reason why it's wrong is because that person is made in the image of God. Killing somebody is destroying the image of God. God is the creator of heaven and earth. Every single person has been designed specifically by that creator, by God our Father. Every single person is of immense value, no matter their tribe, no matter their language, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the color or lack of hair. It does not matter whether they are male or female, bond or free It doesn't matter. God says every single person, whether that person is born with a disease or um, chromosome issues or whether that person has cancer and is dying, every single person is of intrinsic value because they are in the image of God. Taking any life is destroying God's creation, even if that life is in the womb. And because of this also, because we are made in the image of God, Scripture is very clear on how we're to talk to people. He's talking about the mouth in James, and he says, we got to be careful what we say. He says, with our tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. He's saying, that should not be. We should not use the gift God's given us, speech, the creation of speech, in order to curse people or to cut people down or destroy people or to lie about people. Why? Because that person that we are cutting on, that person we are making fun of, that person we're trying to destroy with our mouth is somebody who is in the image of God. And God says, we shouldn't treat people with disrespect. We shouldn't 
treat people with dishonor. We should treat everyone with dignity. And a big mark of that is how we talk to one another. Man, if God is truly the creator and every single person is made in the image of God, how does that affect how I type on my keyboard when I'm responding to a Facebook post? How does that change my Instagram response? My Twitter feed? How does it change what I constantly read about other people? Well, I don't write anything bad. I just read all the bad stuff. And if we're reading lies and we're reading deceit and we're reading just an agenda to destroy other people in any way, shape, or form, we're destroying the image of God. Because anytime we curse people, we are cursing somebody made by God in the image of God. As creator of everything, as creator, everything is his. That's hard to say. As creator, everything is his. Look at this verse. It says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and earth, Heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Everything that we see, everything that we can touch, everything that we can feel, everything around us, every living creature around us, in every rock and stone, every cave, every mountaintop, to the depths of the sea, to the farthest outreaches of space. It's God's. Everything we have is just ours to steward for God. It's not ours. It's God's. And God says we need to realize that everything belongs to him. And that changes our perspective of how we treat things. Because God not only owns all things, but he preserves all things. He keeps everything going. We're not going to look at the classic passage in uh, Philippians about that, Philippians chapter 1, but I encourage you to read Philippians 1 about the preeminence of Christ. We'll get that to, to that one a few um, parts down the road. But in Nehemiah 9, 6, it says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. God keeps everything going. And this world would fall apart if God was not involved in it. God is involved in every aspect of it. You preserve all of them. And see, you know what that means? If God preserves all the living creatures and God preserves all the hosts of heaven, that means God, God is preserving you and me. If you are alive today, it is because God is preserving you. Every single breath that you take is because God is preserving you. Sometimes we can get so mad and so upset about the unfairness of life. 
And yet it is God himself who preserves our life. We can curse God, and yet God is the one who preserves us. And he can help in any situation because he is a creator of heaven and earth. Uh, One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. (laughs) I need help. How much help do you need? I need a lot of help. How much help do you need? I need the help of someone who could make heaven and earth. Well, guess what? That's our God. That's our God. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is in the God, our Father. Our help is in the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Our help is in the maker of heaven and earth, the creation of, creator of heaven and earth. He made them. He can do anything because he is God. He owns everything. He preserves everything. And he can do anything. Nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing is too big for God. And because he made the big stuff, he also made every single little atom, molecule, um, keep going down. We probably haven't even figured out all the tiny bits and pieces with our micro, microelectronic telescopes yet. Telescopes? Microelectronic? Not telescopes. But I'll get it right. You know what I mean. (laughs) We can't even get down to understand it and see it all. And yet God made it all. He cares about it all. So there is no problem too small for God to handle. Because in the minutia of life, he is there. There is nothing he can't provide. Because he made it all. He cares for it all. And he is our reason for living. Look at this. For him. And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. All is for him. There is nothing that's not for him. As I mentioned earlier, all creation for him. He made it for us, but he made us for him. So everything is for him. You are for him. You were made to bring God glory. For him and through him and to him are all things. Not a single one of us is out of that realm. Not a single one of us is outside of that scope. For from him and through him and to him are all things. We're part of all things. And all things are to be to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. That should give us hope, right? Because no matter where we are, no matter what we're struggling with, no matter how difficult things may seem to be, there's a few truths here that we see that just are really encouraging. One, God made us. Two, God made all the stuff around us for us. God, who is a maker of heaven and earth, says he is here to help us in our time of need if we call upon the name of the Lord. And so no matter how big a mess our life is, no matter how deep the troubles are that we seem to be going through at the moment, God says, I'm bigger than any of your problems. 
and I made you, and I care for you, and I want to see you come to the place where you know that you bring me joy and you bring me glory. If these things are true, if these things are true, who else can I call on? We talked about this last week. If God is the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, who can we call on besides Him? There's really no one else who can help. There's no one else who can care for us. Who else should I worship? He's the creator and sustainer of all things. Why would I worship anyone else? And if I'm trying to worship someone else or something else, what good is it going to do me? I'll just end up frustrated. And God doesn't want that for me. And if God is the creator of all things, who should I live for? If he made me to glorify him, the best thing I can do with my life is to live a life that brings glory to him. And it will bring the most joy for me because that's what I was made for. That's what you were made for. No matter what you're struggling with right now or no matter how you see yourself, God says you were made for a glorious purpose. You were made for him. Who else should I obey but him and him alone? And then what difference does this make in how I live? That's a question you need to ask yourself this week. You see, God didn't make you without a purpose. God didn't make you without reason. God made you. And he made all this around you. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19 tells us. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Why does he do that? Why does he make the firmament so? Because he wants you to know him. You were made to know him. And he made this earth and this world and this universe so you can know him. If you're watching today and you're wondering, is there a purpose to my life? There is. You were made by God and for God. And God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life you and I could not live, to die the death you and I deserve because of our sin, the things we do wrong, and who rose three days later to prove that he had victory over sin, over death, over the grave. And all who believe in him, he says, he will give eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no name given under heaven whereby we must be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. We'll be talking about him in a few weeks. But God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, 
so that we may know him and live with him for all eternity. He made all of creation to point to him so that we can know him. Some people go, does God speak today? Yes, he speaks via his word. He speaks via his creation. And he's speaking via me right now to you that he loves you, he cares for you, and he made you. If you never trusted Christ as your Savior and you want to know this God or you have questions about how to know God, please text the number on the bottom of the screen. Please respond to that. Let somebody know that you have questions or you, you prayed to ask Christ to save you or you want to know how to walk with God. Anything that you have, any questions that you have, please respond to that text on the screen and somebody will get back with you. Somebody will respond to you because God cares for you. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for your message this morning. Well, folks, it's time for communion now, so I ask that you would go and get your communion elements ready. And as you do, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You know, while I read this passage, I'd like you to just reflect on the, the different positions that Paul pulls out of uh, for us to see before and after we come to Christ. And focus on the fact that there's grace for this transformation that can take place in our lives and has taken place in the lives of many of us because of the sacrifice Jesus made by going to the cross for us, by having his bro body broken for us, by having his blood poured out for us, he paid the price for our sins. So let's listen here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the way of this, of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared in advance for us to do good works, things that we've already been able to accomplish, things or to be able to participate in, things that are yet to come. But it's only possible because God also prepared a way for us to come back to him and to become children of God now is by sending his son to pay the price that we could not pay. He loves us so much. So today, right now, we're going to remember the price that Jesus has paid for us. We're going to eat the, the wafer or the cracker, whatever it is you have there, to remember his body that was broken for us. And we're going to drink the juice or whatever other beverage you have available to you right now to remember 
that his blood was poured out for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you came here willing and prepared to die for us in our place. We thank you that you have transformed our lives. We thank you that you made a way for transformation in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, that you can come and live and rule and reign in our hearts, that we can step out of darkness into light, into the kingdom of your Father. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we bless your name. Amen. Take and eat and drink in the memory of what the Lord has done for us. I've been so thankful for the packages that we've been able to have when we're in person. But I'll tell you what, a real cracker and real juice is much more satisfying. Well, thank you for being with us here today. I ask that uh, you guys try to come out for the next service that we have. Sorry about all this crazy weather we've been having uh, during this time, but, uh, but hopefully this next weekend will be uh, more pleasant for us and much easier for traveling. Thank you, everybody. Be safe, and we'll see you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.